You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. We're going to just dive right into the message now. And uh, we've talked about disruption. Uh, we're going to do a mini-series called Disruption. And uh, there are thoughts of disruption all around us in our world today. Uh, it really describes our current reality, doesn't it? It's really a play on words. And we're going to take four different stories over the next four weeks and look at how, uh, in every case, something was disrupted. You say, all right, we're still in the book of Mark. And absolutely, we're going to look at Mark chapter 4, the end, and all the way through chapter 5 in this series. And I just want to say, when it comes to expository preaching that's going through a book of the Bible, uh, we, we love that here at the Gateway Church because it keeps the Word of God the main thing. It systematically teaches us how to study the Bible for ourselves, and we see the, the power of the Word. The Word, like a seed that we looked at over the last couple weeks about with the parables, it grows, it matures, and it multiplies in our lives. So, let's get at it. The book of Mark, the gospel of Mark. And we know uh, from the beginning of our series, it goes way back to the beginning of the year. Uh, it was written, it was the first of the four gospels to be written. It was written around 66 AD to 77 AD. So 30 to 40 years after Jesus had ascended into heaven. And it was written by Mark, but it wasn't Mark's firsthand account. It actually was Peter's perspective. It was an eyewitness view of what really happened in Jesus' life. And we're going to see that in these next four stories. And there's going to be a lot of details. Even in today's stories, we're going to see the time of day. We're going to see where Jesus and his, and his disciples were going, what they took with them. We, we see that there are other boats in the story. Um, there, the, we see the location of the boat. And it's funny, we even see a little detail that Jesus was sleeping on a cushion. You say, are these details all that important? And I would say, absolutely. Yes, because it builds our faith and our trust in the Word of God. These are not just stories. This is not fiction. These are eyewitness accounts. And what we're going to see over the next few weeks, including today, is that we're going to see a real Jesus, a real power, not fairy tale. We're going to see four stories about disruption and we're going to try to get our minds around those things. Let's look at the story in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. It's a story where Jesus calms a storm. It says, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. Let's just pause there for a second. This is the same day that he was speaking all those other parables. It, presumably, he's healing people. He's casting out demons. And they are seated on the Sea of Galilee which is the lowest sea of all seas in all of the world, 600 feet below sea level. And it's more of a lake, not so much of a sea. It's about twice the size of Spring Lake, if you can imagine, get your mind around that. 13 miles long, 7 miles wide at its widest point. And, in, and not like Spring Lake where it's surrounded by homes. This sea or this lake was surrounded three sides with mountains, and that becomes important in a second. And they were headed to Towards the country of the Gerasenes. Verse 36, we'll pick it back up. It says, And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, 
just as he was, and the other boats were with him. So we know people were following with them. They took nothing with them. They just go. And it says, A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling up. And we're going to see here in just a moment that this was not just a common storm that the, all the fishermen would have already experienced. This was something that caused the fishermen to be afraid. In Matthew and in Luke's account of the same story, it talks about like it was a squall or like even the word like a tornado. And some commentators believe that there was a possible earthquake and caused a disruption in the sea. We don't know that for sure. But verse 38 says, but he was in the stern, that's Jesus, asleep on a cushion. So he's in the back of the boat, he's asleep. When they woke him up, and look what they say. Teacher, don't you even care that we are perishing? Why don't you care? And that's going to be a big key. They're saying, look, we're about to die. And so verse 39, Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the sea, and he said, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And that word rebuke, that he, when he rebuked the sea, it's the same word as if he was rebuking a demon. Some commentators ask the question, was this storm of a spiritual nature? We don't know that for sure, but it was the same word. Interesting to me. Verse 40 said to them, why were you so afraid? I mean, this must have been some storm if they're screaming and saying, man, we can't get through this. Jesus, why are you going to let us die? He said, have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? What a great story. I love this. And you've heard this story before, most likely. It's probably not the first time. But did you notice that in this story that the word great was used three times in these few verses? The word great or mega were used in verse 37, a great storm. Verse 39, a great calm. In verse 41, a great fear. You say, Pastor, is this significant? I think so. And what I want to do over the next few moments is to look at these three things, a great storm, a great calm, and a great fear, and hopefully bring some application that will be meaningful to all of us. The first is the great storm, a disruption. In the story, we see this uncommon great mega storm, tornado-like, earthquake possibly, and the sea is roaring. And these are experienced sailors, no doubt, but they're saying, this is bad, we're going to die. Now, these sailors, uh, they've been out in storms, no doubt. They were fishermen, they were used to the sea, but in this case, they're screaming and saying, hey, this, there's something uncommon about this. And what I want us to do is to put ourselves in, not into a boat, into a, into a, uh, into a lake that has a storm, but let's put ourselves into the story. And can we all relate where we've had a situation in our own life where we thought we were going under? Where the waves and the wind and the, the craziness of life was going to drown us? When things were going wrong and you're saying, God, where are you in this? Or you're saying, hey, I'm sinking, and it could be related to your finances or your family or your health. Maybe the pain is so great or the trouble that you're in. You're saying, there's something in my life that has caused disruption. And we find ourselves asking God, God, do you even care? Just like in the story. 
and there was this severe trial, and we we're asking, God, do you even love me related to his care? Because if he cared, or if he loved me, he would care for us, and he's not caring. You're saying, if you really love me, my boat would not be full of water. Or if you really love me, Jesus, my basement would not be flooding, literally. And I know we have people in our church this last week where the, our, uh, the, with all this rain we've had, we've had a lot of flooding. Maybe not as great as what Midland has had this week, but, but it's the, the same case. And you might be saying, God, if you love me, you wouldn't let this happen, right? Or Jesus, if you love me, my loved ones would not be sick. Or if you love me, Jesus, I would not have lost my job. Or if you love me, Jesus, my bills would not be larger or greater than my bank account. If you love me, Jesus. Have you ever had one of those moments? I know Jessica and I have. Uh, I'm assuming you have as well. And you might ask or might say, man, I've been faithful, Lord. I have trusted you. I've served you. I've given to you. And if you love me, Jesus, I would not be in this situation, period. And I get it. That's not really rational thinking when you think about who Jesus is and how he cares for us. And we all know that. But who hasn't had thoughts like this? I know I have. Where the pain seems uncommon where you're thinking, man, do I ever get the break? Or my life has been disrupted in some way. Don't you even care, God? Or maybe your mind switched when turmoil or when your life is disrupted and you do some soul searching. You're saying, man, uh, which is not all that bad, but you're saying, man, have I sinned? Have I done something wrong? Have I disobeyed in some way? Is this a punishment for my behaviors? I know a couple years ago, Logan and I were on a missions trip. Logan got really sick, and he's, he's saying, man, I think God might be punishing me for some of the things that he was doing at that point in his life, and, and certainly I can't rule that out. Maybe you're thinking when the, the disruption happens in your life, and, and your life is like a great storm, you're saying, man, I deserve this, kind of like Jonah deserved it when he was running from God and when he was disobedient. In fact, it was interesting as I studied this passage, a lot of commentators related the story of Jonah and this story of Jesus calming the storm. And really, there's a lot of parallels there. Let me just give you an example. Both were in a boat. Both were in a storm. Both were asleep. Both were awakened by those that were on the boat and thought. And the people there both thought that they were going to die. And we're going to see in a moment that both experienced a miraculous calming of the sea. Both were more terrified after the storm. And what was Jonah's problem? We know this. He was running from God. He was disobedient. There was sin in his life. And therefore, the storm may have seemed appropriate. He's even getting what he deserves. God is teaching him a lesson. And certainly you can look at the story of Jonah and see that. And sometimes that happens in life when we do disobey. But what about our story? The disciples, they weren't doing anything wrong. They're actually following Jesus. And when we are in the middle of a storm, I just want to note, it doesn't matter where that storm comes from. It's still scary. It's still draining spiritually and physically. And the point isn't whether they're obedient or disobedient or if you're obedient or disobedient. Jesus, in our lives, he allows for different tests. He allows for different trials in our lives. But you got to know that when there are big storms, great mega storms, 
Jesus can be trusted in those moments. And that's what we're going to see today. Even when there's disruption, he always will calm the storm. That's where I want to go next. In verse 39, it says that there was a great calm. This really represents Jesus' ability, his power, and ultimately his love for us. This is a supernatural type of calm. Jesus spoke peace, and there was peace. And in Jonah's story, the same is true, right? The, the sea was calmed once they threw Jonah in the water. And in both cases, it was instant. Perfect peace, silence, be still, right? And you think, man, you know, if Jonah's thrown in the water, uh, you know, and the, the storm stops, there's going to be a ripple effect. In this story, when Jesus speaks to the wind and the waves, there is going to be a ripple effect. Some, it's going to be choppy for a while, but that's not the picture we get here. It, not here. It was like glass. The storm was gone, and it was in an instant. It was miraculously calm. Just a side note, you know, I can speak to the next time there's a rainstorm or thunder. I could speak to the rain or I could speak to the thunder, but it doesn't do anything. But you got to know when Jesus does that, things happen. Only God can speak to the wind and the waves and they will obey. Jesus is demonstrating that he is God by providing a mega, a great calm. I love that. And I'm just curious, right where you are, you're thinking as you're watching this message, man, you might need a mega calm in your life, a moment or an event in your life. And I just want you to know that Jesus, he can do that. He can provide that. There is nothing impossible with Jesus. And he not only hears us when we cry out to him, he has the power to speak to our storms. He has the power to speak to our disruptions. There was a great calm in this story, and he can provide it for you as well. But it's interesting, the storm, the great storm, the great calm, and you think, man, everything is great. But in verse 41, we also see that there was a great fear. And this is after. Talk about disruption. They're thinking to themselves, who in the world is this? At first, you might think, well, we're safe. The storm, the disruption's over. But in the minds of the disciples, they were more terrified after the fact. It's interesting, when you study Jonah's story in Jonah chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, it says this, So they picked up Jonah, they hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. So there was a great calm, right? Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. They were so afraid, they're like throwing up, I promise on my great-grandma, or I promise I'm on this, or I vow against this, or I'm going to do this. They're making this, these promises, and you can just sense that they were afraid. It's almost like Peter, after his big, great, miraculous catch of fish uh, in Luke chapter 5, it says this, but when Simon Peter saw, the, saw this great, big catch of fish, he fell down at the at the feet of Jesus at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man. Again, there, Peter recognized who Jesus was, the sheer power, the authority of Jesus. And the disciples in our story, Peter in his story, uh, that was a standalone, Jonah in their story, and the people there, they were more scared 
to have God Almighty in their midst, to have Jesus in their boat, than to experience the storm or the disruption outside of the boat. I really like Wearsby, what he says. He says, Jesus did not just stop with the calming of the elements, for the greatest danger was not the wind and the waves, it was the unbelief in the hearts of the disciples. Our greatest problems are within us, not around us. And so it goes back to our belief. Where do we put our faith? Where is our hope found? And it was the disciples' unbelief that caused them to fear. And their fear made them question whether Jesus really cared. Jesus, do you even love us? In verse 40, we see that. In fact, let's look at it. Verse 40 says this. He says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Why was there fear? It was a lack of faith in who Jesus was and what he represented. It's interesting. His love, his care, his power to be with each of us is so important for us to get our minds around. And the question is, where do we put our faith in regards to these things? Where is your faith today? Jesus is saying, sure, I might allow some disruption in your life at times. There may be some storms, but there is no reason to panic. It does not mean that Jesus does not love you or care for you. He says at another place in Scripture, in this world you will have trouble. And the point is, when you do have a disruption, where is your faith? Is your faith in yourself and in your own ability? I certainly hope not. This last month, Jessica and I, we had a financial disruption not related to COVID-19 at all. And uh, we got to work in this last month. I mean, it has been a supernatural uh, windfall uh, of work and, and fury. I picked up a job. Jessica picked up a job. We're doing other side jobs. And, and Jessica and I were talking about this. I said, man, look at the progress we made. And Jessica's like, oh, oh, oh it's not us. It's all God. And she was absolutely right. Jessica had it right. It was all God. But maybe you'd say, well, it's not in myself, but maybe I put my hope or my faith in a doctor or in my employer or in a friend or a family member. Or I put my faith in the economy and what's happening around. Well, church, if we put our faith in anything other than Jesus, we will be disappointed. If, we, if our faith is in Jesus, our fear will would be minimized. If your faith was in Jesus, you, you will be okay. He has the power to stop the storm. And if your faith is in Jesus, you would know that Jesus knows exactly where you are. And even if Jesus doesn't choose to stop the storm or the disruption in your life, he must have a good reason. Jesus' wisdom is greater than ours. And it's like Jesus is saying, if you knew how much I loved you, you would have been calm. The bottom line, life has storms. Life has disruptions. And some are really crazy. Some are really scary. And I get that. But there's one thing that will keep us at peace. Church, if we, by faith, understand the magnitude of God's love for us, how much He loves us, how much He cares for us, it will help keep us calm. And that's my prayer. How do we make it through the storms of life? We remember Jesus loves 
uh, each and every one of us. We must know how much God loves us and what great lengths he goes to care for us. As I close the service today, I think about Jonah and his story from just one more perspective. Jonah said, look, even if I die, throw me over, because if I die, you will live, you will be spared. Well, Jesus, he actually did die a little later. Not in this story with the storm, but he died so that we can live. Uh, some people call Jonah was, or Jesus the ultimate Jonah, that he died so that we could live. And today, if your faith isn't in Jesus, there's no reason for you to go another moment, another breath, before you click off this video, before you do another thing, would you repeat a prayer after me and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord? Lord, we thank you for this moment. I pray that you would just uh, capture our hearts. And Lord, today I pray that for those that don't know you, those that are far away from you, that don't have a relationship, that they would surrender their hearts that they would put their faith in you, Jesus. And Lord, that you would cause them to draw them in. And Lord, that you would love them and care for them in the process. Lord, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's one other thing we want to do this week. And through this series uh, of disruption, we've been talking about it for the last couple weeks, but we're going to put it into action and see what kind of response we get. And we really want you to, to participate. Uh, after we say amen and a final prayer of benediction, uh, within just a few moments, we are going to launch a Zoom meeting for follow-up. If you need prayer for anything, or if you want, uh, if you are accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we want you to jump on board. Uh, if you want to uh, connect and talk about this story to a, a little different degree, we're going to uh, come together in a Zoom meeting. And it won't be super long, but we want to just add another touch, another way to serve you. And if you're interested in doing that, we certainly want you to do that. We want to encourage you. And the link is right here. That's how you do it. And it should go real, real easy. Uh, but let me pray a final prayer of benediction and, uh, and then we'll say goodbye. Lord, I pray that you would just go before us, behind us, and all around us. I know we're not leaving a sanctuary altogether, but Lord, wherever we go this week, I pray that you'd be with us. And Lord, help us to know your love, your care for us, and Lord, help us to put our faith in you. And Lord, I pray that it would be meaningful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.